Welcome into the Oregonian Sports Podcast, formerly Sports by Northwest. We're still getting used to that one over here. Maybe you are too. Uh, this is Bill Oram, sports columnist at the Oregonian and Oregon Live. Game week, as you know, if you listen to our podcast yesterday with Oregon Ducks beat writer James Crepia previewing Oregon versus Coach Prime in Colorado at Autzen Stadium. Today, we're moving a little bit uh, up north, either north up I-5 to Corvallis or farther up north into the east to Pullman, uh, talking Oregon State, Washington State with Beavers beat writer for the Oregonian Oregon Live, Nick Daschle. Nick, how are you? Good, sir. I'm good. I'm tired, a little tired from all the stuff today with, you know, the Zoom call with all the presidents and 80s and all the reporting and all that stuff today. But yeah, I'm good now. For those who don't know or haven't been following this, uh, Oregon State and Washington State, you know, the two teams that have been left behind by the Pac-12 conference realignment has left them kicked to the curb, uh, to both in the top 25 playing on Saturday in Pullman. And I wrote this on Sunday, kind of anticipating this game week, that it would be, you know, in one sense, this great battle between ranked teams, but in another, the backdrop for a pep rally on behalf of, you know, the little guy of college football. And it seems like that's really what's happened, Nick. Um, can you t- tell us, like, some of the highlights of that Zoom call you're talking about where you had the president and AD of both schools meeting with um, local and national media? Sure. It was, it, it was, it was, yeah, Kirk Schultz, the president of Washington State, J.T. Uh, Murphy from Oregon State, the president of Oregon State, um, Pat Chun from Washington State, the AD, and uh, Scott Barnes, AD at at Oregon State, and you know, they started with a, um, <clears throat> a couple of opening statements, and then it was it was an hour, a solid hour of reporters asking questions about, I mean, pretty much everything related to Oregon State realignment and um, you know um, relegation, and you know the courts, the court deal, everything. Um, I don't know that we learned, you know, a ton, partially because the thing is so still tied up with the with the legal battle that, you know, there's just not really they can, anything they can say in terms of, you know, if this happens, then we'll do this and blah, blah, blah. They need to, they need to find out what the assets are first before they can really move forward. But, um, yeah, there was, it was, you know, it was decidedly, you know, Jaythe was really... Um, she was probably the most interesting one. Hold on, Nick. I've got to. I've got to. I've got to stop you right there because we learned this week that reporters are not allowed to call university presidents by their first name. Didn't we? Isn't that what we learned from the USC fiasco with my friend Luca Evans at the Orange County Register? Got banned for among other things calling uh, Carol Folt at USC Carol. I just want you to be careful because Nick, we need you too much to go around getting your credentials revoked. You mean like if I was down at Oregon, if I was down at Oregon this week and I and I didn't call him Coach Prime, exactly know, he called Coach and things like that. No, I mean, yeah, I mean, I I kind of get the doctor thing. To me, doctor, it's sort of an earned title. The coach thing, I never have understood. I, I don't call anybody coach. I call him my first name, but but regardless. not not my co- not my coach. Yeah, well. Well, I, inter- I interrupted your flow, Nick, and I apologize for that. But man, I had a chance to get my and shots so in at so bad I PR. What I was even talking about, but oh, I was talking about how uh, Murthy was. She, she's still, she's still on. She still is really trying to somewhat rally the, the the fan base with her outrage over this. You know what's happened to Oregon State, and 
and you know, I think fans like it at some point, you know, they need to hear some solutions, but, mm-hmm. but she is still on this, on, you know, definitely on this, uh, you know, we've been wronged and, and, you know, our, our school deserves better and, you know, we've proven we belong and, and by God, it's, you know, what, what you know, those, those sorts of things. But, um, I'm trying to remember what, you know, the, I did feel like, I felt like the one thing I learned a little bit is that there is a possibility that the Oregon, Oregon state rivalry might happen. Maybe. I mean, a month ago I would have said, no way they're determined. You know, they just, they're, they're just too, the feelings were, were just so the emotions were just so badly wounded and whatnot. But sure. now I think they're starting to think, you know, we really need, this really needs to be a business decision it makes sense for our for our athletes to play, you know, regional type games. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying. I just felt like it soft the the, the the stance was softened a little bit on, on on the Oregon Oregon State side of things. So Nick, some things that have stood out to me this week prepping for the Oregon State Washington State matchup and the like the love fest sort of leading up to it, um, you know, which will obviously have a. I think we both expect to be a really good hard hard fought game on Saturday on the Palouse. You and I will both be there. Um, but the thing that has stood out to me is just some of the ways that the, the solidarity and unity has been represented. Um, and, and one of those is, you know, this has been reported. We had a, we had a post on Oregon live about it, about the, the flag, uh, the, the, um, the old crimson flag for Washington state that I think we all know they, get it that you know they get it on the on the screen at uh college game day every every weekend well they're flying the oregon state flag the rest of this season as well sort of as a, a show of solidarity and then i learned today that uh the washington state marching band is going to be playing the oregon state uh uh fight song before the game on saturday which is not something you see every day um i i guess i wonder how nick fans should sort of watch this game or like how fans should sort of process those dueling realities where Oregon state and Washington state are allies in one sense, obviously in court, which we've written about, um, you know, trying to get access to the, um, the assets of the PAC 12 and trying to preserve the conference together, but also you got these top 25 teams. I mean, there is just something very interesting about this dueling dichotomy. Um, if you're an Oregon State fan or a Washington State fan listening to this, for that matter, how do you sort of balance those two things when Saturday comes? I, I don't really, I don't really think it's a problem. I, I, I honestly think once the game starts, I think people are going to root for their team, and I, I don't, I don't see them, you know, feeling bad that you know Washington State lost, or Oregon State lost, or or you know there was a you know good or bad play. They're going to root for their team. I just think once the game's over and before the game. You know, they're kind of in the same boat. And I, right. th- these fan bases have really always been kind of in a line with each other. You know, they've 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 dealt with you know Oregon State. You know, the quote unquote superiority. You know, at, at Oregon and Washington even more so with Washington State. Oregon, Oregon State have always you know felt like the you know I don't know for lack of a better term, you know, sort of the lunch bucket crowd and. You know, they're the small, they come from the, you know, the agriculture areas of the state, a lot of their, you know, a lot of their alums and whatnot. 
it just, they've always just kind of been in line with each other. They're both land grant schools. Um, you know, Murthy pointed that out a lot today that the, you know, they, these are small, these schools were built in small towns for a lot of the, you know, the smaller, smaller town people to go to school there. And, and, um, it just sort of always been a line, but I, I, I mean, it's kind of like, I guess maybe like, I don't know, you know, you're, I, I can't really think of a good example. I just, I just think, I just think they're going to root for their team when the game's going yeah. on. But you, other than that, you know, they're, 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 they feel good about each other for, for, for now. Yeah. Now somebody brought this up to me and I, and I don't have a good answer for this, but <laughs> some, somebody responded to me on Twitter. Okay. What, what if, what if some, this will never happen, of course, but let's just say the big 10 said the winner of this game gets, gets into our conference. I mean, would Oregon, Oregon state, or I mean, would Oregon state or Washington state actually agree to that? I mean, do you think, do you think they might do that? Do you think they would do that? I, that, 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 that's, I know, again, it would never happen. I'm just saying it's interesting, you know, how far does your loyalty go in this, in this situation, I guess. Oh, I would think that you would absolutely play for the last spot in the big 10, right? If you're Oregon state in this, right. Is that the question? I I think you do, but, but, but all the posturing up until this point has been, you know, Hey, you know, we, we don't want our athletes going, you know, playing three time zones away and, and all sure. the other stuff, and but then you know, but the, I'm sure it would be spun as we had no other choice. We didn't we didn't choose to be in this situation, and it was and it, you know we were, you know we were we don't want to do this, but this is what's best for us now. But I'm just saying, I, I just I want I just wonder what you know how people I mean, would feel. L- l- well, and I think you know. In my opinion, right, like a lot of what the messaging from Oregon State and Washington State has been about wanting to preserve regional rivalries and, you know, not valuing land grant schools and, you know, small towns being left out in the cold, you know, Oregon State and Washington State would have been absolutely ecstatic to be in the Big Ten, especially once the conference was dissolving, right? Like they don't want to be in this position. The Big Ten, you know, it's kind of a... um, it's sort of a def, def, it's, it's self-defense out of necessity, right? Like that, that helps explain the situation they're in. Right. And that, that they, um, they value regional rivalries. You know, if Oregon state had, had a different option that was going to allow them to maintain, you know, a, a five status and um, play in a power five conference. I mean, you would take, you would do what a lot of other schools have suddenly done and, and take the money. Um, Oregon state's not more, um, uh, altruistic than any of these other schools in this, in this, in this situation, they just have been dealt the bad hand. So they get to kind of cry. Um, I think the, the, um, the altruism. So, I mean, there is a little bit of posturing here and I think we all understand that. Um, but okay. So let's talk about a couple elements of this game. And, and I think you highlighted these in, in your, um, in your recent videos for Oregon live, which can be seen uh, on Instagram and, TikTok and Yakbox or whatever else we do. It's the only way my kids consume me. They don't read anything <laughs> I write, but they they find all the TikToks. It's the only it's the only way your your children ever see you because you're so busy working the beat for the Oregonian uh, and Oregon Live. And I guess I would also just highlight for our um, listeners here, Nick, that you don't just come at this with a really deep understanding and knowledge of Oregon State from your years covering them. But in past roles in throughout your career, you have covered 
Washington state. You've covered Washington. Um, you've been up and down those highways in, in, in Washington state. Uh, you've spent a lot of time in Pullman. So when you talk about the fan base at Washington state, like, you know what you're talking about. You have spent a lot of time on the Palouse. Yeah. I've, on the I, Palouse. I covered Washington state from 96 to 2007. I mean, I was there for the, the Ryan leaf uh, Rose, both the Rose bowl years, Washington state was there. No, I know that. I mean, I've probably been as many games at Martin Stadium in the last twenty years as I have research, probably. So I just, I just think that's an important. I think that's important context for our, um, for our listeners. But as it relates to this particular matchup, I know I was surprised to read that this is the first time that Oregon State and Washington State have met as ranked opponents. Um, which you know, just considering the success that the schools have had, not all. It's not. It hasn't been sustained like Oregon or, um, you know, Utah, but. The, the the number of good teams that both schools have had over the last 25 years, I was surprised that they hadn't both been at this point in their seasons when they met before. So that's kind of surprising. Winding it back last year, Oregon State beat Washington State uh, 24 to 10 at Research Stadium. I want to say that was their first win over Wazoo in the last eight tries, Nick. Yeah, Is that right? It, it ended an eight game losing streak. And they haven't, and they haven't won at Martin Stadium since 2013. Right. So there's a lot, there's a lot of sort of momentum pushing against Oregon State here. But like we're also talking about years where Oregon State wasn't beating many people at all. So it's not really an anomaly that they weren't beating Washington State. I mean, those were a lot of years where Oregon State was struggling against the entire conference. Um, so two things, and and we can we'll we'll hit on these, and then we'll go and 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 maybe circle back another day. But uh, the most in- intriguing player for Oregon State on either side of the ball. I hate to go for the low, low hanging fruit here, but it's it's DJ Uyunglele, the quarterback transfer from Clemson. You look at him in the first two games, was out of this world. Um, looked like he belonged in that Heisman Trophy conversation uh, in the uh, from the conference of quarterbacks. Now understood it was against San Jose State and UC Davis, but I mean he looked even better than advertised. And then San Diego State, he was. Um, a little less impressive. Missed a lot of throws, had a couple of interceptions. Oregon State, you know, wins over San Diego State pretty easily, but it wasn't the, you know, just absolute route that maybe people were expecting. Um, Coming from Clemson, you heard about DJ, that there was good DJ and bad DJ. Just like at Auburn, there was good bow and bad bow. But, you know, through three games, that San Diego State game felt like the first time we saw, you know, the quote-unquote bad DJ uh, what has to happen for good DJ to be on the field on Saturday? And what happens to the Beavers if he's not? Well, I'm not going to pin everything that happened last Saturday on DJ. There, Some of the receivers just didn't get open. And he was thrown into some pretty tight windows. And, you know, they just didn't connect. But he did, he did miss some throws by quite a bit. Now, was he throwing the ball away? Was he um, missing the mark? I don't know. But he, he admitted... I got to play better. And, and Jonathan said, he's got to play better. And everybody knows he's, and there's no reason to believe he won't play better he, because he's, he showed the first two games what he can do. He, 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 you know, some of the receiver, some of the receivers were hurt last week. I think they'll have their full complement back for this week. Um, you know, it, it's really got to start with really getting it going on the ground. Washington state has been pretty good against the run. But I mean, if they get Martinez going like 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 he's been going in the first half of these games, yeah. 
Um, that's just going to make DJ's job a lot easier. But the one thing I've been wondering with Oregon State is they really haven't worked the tight end much except for a few throws to Jack Velig. And I'm kind of wondering if they've been sort of, you know, not really showing much there until conference play because they got they got three guys, maybe even four with Riley Sharp. In camp, looked like they could they could get downfield and make some plays. And I haven't seen a lot of that yet. Now I don't know. If that's because they they can't, or they just haven't shown it yet. I, I have a feeling that they we haven't seen every we haven't seen you know we haven't seen the entire package because of you know just there was no necessity to open up the playbook in the first three games. But if there's if there's plays to be had, they better show up on Saturday because. They're going to need to show. Now, the the other interesting aspect with this quarterback-wise is Jonathan's never had a, a a backup like Aiden Childs, and you all and you just have to always wonder, you know, when 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 would he say it's time it's time to you know throw him out there and see what he can do, and you know when it's in a real crunch situation if DJ's if it's not if DJ's not getting it done. That just feels like a real, uh, that feels like a real uh, snake pit of a decision uh, to me, because if, I, I kind of feel like once you hand the keys over to Aiden Childs, you know, it's hard to pull him back. And I know you're maybe talking about, you know, a series or two or some change of pace or when things have really gone super sideways for Oregon State. Um, but, you know, with a player like DJ who, you know, is frankly trying to get himself to the NFL, you know, transferred to Oregon State, uh kind of handpicked Oregon state was one of the buzziest transfers in the transfer portal. You know, this is all sort of stuff that doesn't matter on Saturdays, but I really do worry if I'm Oregon state, if I take, if I take DJ out of that chair, am I really ready to go the rest of the season that way? Because I mean, listen, this is somebody who approaches the game as a professional and you like to think that, you know, this wouldn't affect him permanently, but you know, do you lose a player like that? If you, if you um, if you bench him or if you replace him because things have, have gone poorly in a single game. I don't see that. I see that. I see Aiden Childs, you know, got a lot of reps in non-conference because there's an, you know, an opportunity to sort of get him some free shots. I just don't. I mean, I know we've talked about this offline, Nick. I just have a really hard time seeing Aiden Childs being handed this offense this season. Well, but I, it, it would, I, I just think it would have to be. A, I think it'd have to be a very dire situation, and you'd have to have lost all faith in DJ. I think. I think Jonathan's track record has been he's sticking with the starter until he, until he's injured or he kill. It pretty much is just killing the offense. He really is only over the five years the only guy I can think of that he's pulled is Sam Neuer after the first game, and that was partially because the. It was so close between Neuer and Chance Nolan that Coming Neuer just didn't play well against Purdue, and so it was an easy call. But, but I mean, there's been times when you know we've all thought, you know, is Chance Nolan really the guy? He just kept he just kept rolling him out there every week, yeah. or you know, Jake Luton maybe he'd have a bad game a few years back or something like that. And do we go with another guy? And they've always he's always stuck with the the, the starters until you know they pretty much have to burn themselves out. So. Yeah. I don't think he'd he'd ever I don't think he'd move off a of DJ until you know it was a desperate situation. But I mean he like I said, he's never had a guy number two like an Aiden Childs. Yeah, I mean I hear you. I guess I just 
everything you're saying and everything we know about DJ, just it just feels it feels a little bit like a red herring to me. But yeah. you're closer to the team, and I and I and I. Uh, no, I I'm not. Sug- I'm it's, not it's, suggesting. I'm not suggesting they do that. I just said. I just said that's. It's out there. Some people. Some people are wondering. <clears throat> um, okay, so let's flip it to the other side of the ball because this Oregon State defense probably had the most success. Um, is that quite true? Had as much or more success than any other uh, Washington State opponent last year containing Cam Ward. And Cam Ward was a little bit of a sensation last year as a transfer from Incarnate Word, um, you know, down in the FCS level and transferred into Washington State and kind of lit, lit the conference on fire, right? He was, you know, he was awesome through the air. Uh, he's a little bit of an escape artist in the backfield, really extends plays, uh, nearly beat Oregon at Martin Stadium. I think that was when he really kind of uh, put himself on the map in the Pac-12 last year. He's back. Oregon State really kept him uh, at bay last season. And if you look at his numbers from that game uh, against the Beavs last year, 25 of 54 uh, did throw for 345 yards, but again, he threw 54 times and completed only 46% of those passes, only threw for one touchdown. The the Cougars only managed uh, 10 points. Um, you've sort of written about the possibility that this defense is maybe approaching the levels of last year's team, which of course makes me wonder, you know, could they really do that to Cam Ward again? It, it's approaching last year's defense in different ways. Their, their, their front is, is where it's, it, it leads this defense this year. Last year it was the secondary and the, and the inside linebackers. This year it's up front. Their line is really good. The outside linebacker group is, is really good. Those fronts six and seven, you know, depending on whether in a nickel or not, they really can cause some trouble up, up front. Um, I, my guess is they're going to look at Cam Ward a lot like they looked at Cordero from San Jose State, where they're not necessarily looking to sack him, but they're just trying to squeeze the pocket, make him throw, make him and keep him in there so he has to throw with pressure on him and and see what happens. Now they're coming off a six sack game from last week, but I just think they're gonna that's going to be sort of the strategy is to make sure he doesn't get out because he wants to move, but not necessarily to run. He just wants to keep moving until he can, until he can find somebody. And I don't, I I think that's going to be the strategy is to try to keep him, keep him contained. Yeah. I mean, the thing that I think would give you confidence that Oregon state can do that is you look at the success they had against Cordero, who you mentioned relative to what Cordero looked like a week earlier against USC. Now San Jose state did not beat USC. Um, but for about two and a half, three quarters, they kept it pretty interesting. And Cordero's running around, you know, like a madman, you know, basically like, I don't know, like, like, like a buzzing bee in the backfield, basically eluding tacklers and extending plays and, and making things happen. And he didn't get out and, and, and on the run at all, um, against Oregon state with the exception, of, I think really one play that kind of comes to mind for that game. You and I are both there. So to me, um, that is, you know, that gives you hope that they can do it with a guy like Cam Ward. And the fact they had success last year doing it makes it even more plausible. Uh, what is one area where you think the Beavers are likely to struggle against Washington State? 
Well, it's it's going to be interesting. I'm not saying they're going to struggle, but this will be by far the best defensive line that they've seen all year. Um, and I mean, I don't know against the path. They've given up one sack this year. And as Jim Mahalchik shot back at me, that's the worst stat in football. And, and, you know, he wants, I, he wants to see, you know, I think he wants to see how they can defend a real pass rush and Washington yeah. State's got with Ron Stone. I mean, they, they're going to get after the quarterback. So, I mean, is DJ going to be bad DJ if he's under pressure all day long, all game long? You know, that's, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I I would just say that's something to watch on Saturday is how how Oregon State, you know, handles Washington State's pass rush. They, and they also have some pretty good, they have, they're also pretty good in the back end too. And I can see them using any number of, blitzes and things like that to put even more pressure on on Oregon State so I mean that's something to watch um I don't I want to also see what Damian Martinez does when he's asked to play a whole game he hasn't really done that yet he's played like a half a game he cramped up at San Jose he kind of came out early last week and, and and they got Fenwick some work I mean, I want to see what happens when he's got 22, 24 carries and, you know, can he really take over a game if he's, if, if he's given that those sorts of opportunities? Yeah. I mean, these are, uh, those are all, you know, really interesting thoughts. And I guess, you know, the thing that we haven't seen from Oregon state, you know, this is by far the best opponent Oregon state has seen. And they knew that coming into the year. I mean, San Jose state was a little bit of an interesting early test, but in terms of how, um, Jonathan Smith scripted what he wanted to do in a given week. You know, he hasn't had to, you know, open up the playbook all the way to beat, to get to three and O, you know, I don't know exactly how Jake Dickert has handled him, his, his approach here, but I mean, they played Wisconsin in week two and to beat a ranked Wisconsin team, you're not holding a whole lot back. I don't think. So I, I do think that, you know, Oregon state has, is, is still sort of building up to their full complement of what they are. Um, Maybe Washington State had to get there a little bit earlier. So maybe Oregon State has a little more to, uh, still a little bit more to reveal on Saturday. Nick, where are Beaver fans who are getting to Pullman on Friday before the game? Where do they need to eat? What do they need to see? I know that they've all been there before because they've gone every other year for 108 years. But since it's a big game, all eyes are on it. People want to be in Pullman on Saturday for the 4 p.m. kickoff. Is it 4 p.m. or 4.30? I'm going 4 p.m. 4 p.m. 4 p.m. kickoff at Martin Stadium. People want to be in Pullman, and they want to have a good time in Pullman. You are the dean of the land-grant university football beat in the Pacific Northwest. Give us the visitor's guide to Pullman, Washington. Well, it's it's actually been a while since I've, since I've spent a lot of time in Pullman, so some of the stuff is, I don't know, it's still even open, but obviously the Coug is where where people go to, to, you know, have a few beers. Uh, you know, I'm always partial to Sella's. The, the, um, it's a pizza Italian restaurant with some great calzone. Um, I got an email today from some there at Ferdinand's, um, Ferdinand's ice creamery on, uh, campus. Um, that's a real popular, real popular, um, 
stop and they're what are they I'm, I'm reading let's see i'm reading here let's see they're they're putting out um uh they're celebrating their 70th they're celebrating their 75th anniversary on saturday and they're putting out cracked pepper and chive ice cream no way that's that's cheese cracked pepper and chive cheese <laughs> But the first 75 customers in the store will receive a Ferdinand's brand ice cream scoop. So they're encouraging people to go there early and, and get there. But that's a, that's a real popular place, obviously. So um, If you're um, interested in getting an ad read like Nick Daschle just gave Ferdinand's, please contact the advertising department because we would like to get paid for that kind of publicity. Unlike the freebie Nick just gave Ferdinand's. But some of us... <laughs> like you and I will not be in Pullman <laughs> until we get to the game because we don't, we, we're not, we're not into spending $500 a night at a hotel in Pullman because there are not many rooms to be had in that place. So we'll be in Spokane. Uh, when I, when I was in, when I was in high school and briefly flirted with the idea of attending Washington state university, I remember staying at the holiday Inn express before my campus tour. It was my first exposure to the holiday Inn express cookies in the evening uh around bedtime in the lobby and uh it was delicious and it's a it's a memory oh, that, I was, have. That, that was whenever i when we used to go over there in the in for, for camp i'd take the kids with me and they loved going to those hotels the the holiday inn express and the quality inn across the street because they always had the warm chocolate chip cookies at night and so that was always the they just loved yeah it was the only place you know you I, I don't know other than what the double tree, I guess the double tree does cookies, I guess, but, but these were right out of the oven, you know, hot with milk too. They always had milk to go with them. So, um, and I assume they still do that. I mean, why would you not? They don't call him the best football writer in the state for nothing, folks. That's Nick Daschle. I'm Bill Orem. Thank you very much for joining us on this conversation on what do we call? It? We have the two pack championship, the pack two championship, the left behind bowl. What is what is what is your uh, moniker for this game, Nick? I don't know. It's still the Pac twelve to me because it still is the Pac twelve until next year, till no more. Um, I don't know. You Pac-2. can't get you can't get wisdom like that everywhere, folks. All right, for Nick Daschle. <laughs> I'm Bill Orem. Uh, we'll obviously be in Pullman on Saturday. Uh, huge football weekend. Ducks have the Buffs, Beavs and Cougs, and uh, we'll have it all at Oregon Live and be talking about it here on the podcast. No longer sports by Northwest. Sad RIP, the Oregonian Sports Podcast. Bill Orem, Nick Daschle. We'll be back soon. Thank you for listening. Thank you.